better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this monday edition of the show talking about wide receivers kyle good morning welcome caught me mid-sip there good morning how are you i'm good i you know it hit me this morning i think um i'm at that point in draft season where my body aches from sitting in a chair for so long every day. Yep. Oh, I've never felt so seen in my life. Oh. You got to get one of those rollers. You have a roller? I see you rolling around on a roller every time I'm with you. Yeah, it works. But we're at that point in draft season where it's resistance is futile. <laughs> it's, it's a grind. Now, the good news is at this time next week, I will be completely done watching film. Yeah, you know me. I'm, I I always got another two and a half weeks on you. So well, I got bad news for you. That's going to put you up until Wednesday night. Draft starts on Thursday. Well, it's not two and a half weeks. It's this. <laughs> you know I have it mapped out, but geez, uh, you always have it mapped out, I'm and I'm always down. impressed that you don't push up your schedule. You know, it's one of those deals where you will work to the level that you have to. The urgency level yeah. ramps up when it has to. Well, it's like I'll have myself on a pace of three guys a day and I'll get my three guys done and I will feel like I'm done and I won't do an extra one. You know? Yeah. Soft. Can I, tell I know you? exactly what that is. It's, it's comfort breeds content. It does. I get it done. I'll be okay. I'm no Ben Solak. No, not working up until the uh, midnight hour. Yeah. Wide receivers today, Joe. Yeah. It's a good group. It, it is. There's there's three that are a little bit better than the rest of them, though. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I don't know that we're going to have the same wide receiver one. I had a big epiphany over the weekend. Oh, God. Are you one of these rugs truthers now? Yeah, I'm a rugs truther. Oh, okay. All right. Sell me on it. So I wrote an article over the weekend. Henry, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver Alabama, by the way. Don't want to. Yeah presume for new listeners to the show yeah i wrote an article over the weekend i think um about where the receivers could go where they could fall in the first round of the draft and i really think things really heat up at 11 where the jets pick and you know we kind of thought maybe arizona could be a spot for them but you know they gave away a bag of footballs for deandre hopkins and they're pretty set there now (laughs) so I'm sitting there looking at the Jets at number 11, and I'm like, all right, well, what receiver makes sense for them? And I thought about Judy, Jerry Judy. I thought about CeeDee Lamb, and they're good players that would make that Jets offense better. But the one that I thought would be the most meaningful in terms of what they already have, they have some bigger-bodied guys. They have a true slot in, in Crowder. They don't have that big-play guy in Rugs, and I don't think calling him just a big-play guy is, is fair because I think he's a pretty complete receiver. 
um, plays through contact, obviously the, the rare speed and, and he catches everything. And he just has an alpha mentality despite not being a, a giant receiver, but he's not small. And here's what it came down to. This is, this is the one thing that I settled on that made me believe Henry Ruggs is wide receiver one, because the jets are division rival for the bills. My favorite team who has an elite pass defense for the last two seasons. The one guy I didn't want them to get was Ruggs. He was the one that I felt like, you know what, damn it. I don't think we can manage him. I, Judy and Lamb, great players, great players. But the one I don't want to go up against is Ruggs. And I said, you know what? Damn it, he's wide receiver one. Now, is that wide receiver one from your own personal assessment of the players or just a prediction of who will go first? It's my own personal assessment. I value okay. what Ruggs brings to the table more than Lamb and Judy. And, and I, I hate these conversations because it makes you feel like you don't like those players. I do. I love them. They're high first round grades for me. But Ruggs is the one as when I'm thinking about stopping them at the next level, he's the one that gives me the most most concern. And it's not just because he ran 427. It's because he's a nuanced receiver on top of running a 427. All right, this is not a John Ross situation. Hell no. Where a dude blazes and it's like, "All right, he runs fast and they get him the ball quick and turn it into punt returns." Yeah. And no. he'll run go routes. Not to mention he doesn't have the durability concerns that John Ross had coming up. Yeah, like, I don't even want to talk about those guys in the same sentence. All right, so I have Ruggs as my wide receiver three. But he's 10th overall on the board. To give you everybody yeah. a little bit of context here on... Uh, my grading scale works on a nine-point scale. If you're an eight-and-a-half... And above, you're a top 10 grade. If you're an 8 to an 8.49, you are a first-round grade. Henry Ruggs is an 8.46. So he is about as high as you can get into the first-round grades without being in the top the tier of top 10 overall grades that I gave out this year. I gave out, uh, I believe, eight top 10 grades this year, which is the most I've given out. It's a great class in general. For me, CeeDee Lamb's wide receiver one. All right, so get on your soapbox and tell us why. Well, I think CD, I, I we kind of sold him short, not we. The, the general consensus, it feels like, kind of sold him short on his speed. Uh, he ran, what, 4.49, four, something like that? Yeah. Plenty fast. My, my producer's pulling it up. But when I watch him play, I think he gives you a four five flat. He gives you, in my opinion, the best blend of possession skills, body control after the catch from an open field foot race perspective, but more importantly, the physicality that he brings. Nobody's going to touch Henry Ruggs in a foot race, right? Like, that's Henry Ruggs' run after catch. Mm -hmm. CD can beat you with field vision and finding space and running into daylight, and he's fast enough that he can get it done. But he's also got this physicality component of him that just – he bullies people. And I think he's a, a really effective volume receiver. He's a guy I'd feel comfortable working my passing offense through. All those things combined, I think he checks – the most boxes to be the alpha. Now he might not have the most yards per catch. 
He might not be the guy that's going to get vertical and and stretch and take the top off the defense like rugs and uh, but he is one broken tackle away from making a lot of house calls at the next level. He made Hurts better this year too. Yes, he did. It's a good, great point. You know, he really when you've got a guy who's six two who has the kind of body control that he does for the back shoulder throws and the timing and the high point skills and winning body positioning and contested catch areas. All of those things combined too, where it's like, he's a good enough route runner that he'll create a lot of separation. He'll create some separation with some physicality, but when, even when he doesn't create the separation, he's still, in my opinion, the hardest receiver to defend in this year's class. Yeah. He's a, He's been my wide receiver one until this weekend when I Man, knew I needed to finalize my wide feet. receiver grades for the. For I hate this. it. I hate it so much for you. Okay. <laughs> Judy's no slouch either. Uh, right. Like we just we just spent how much time talking on this podcast and we didn't acknowledge Jerry Judy at all, right. which is insane. Yeah, one of the best route runners coming out of the college ranks that I've seen. I mean, the way that he can be deceptive with his with his routes and get open and present himself to the quarterback and create big throwing windows is really, really exciting. I think his skill set is perfectly translatable to the next level. I mean, he's creative after the catch. I'm not concerned with his athletic profile. He's plenty good athlete. You never question it watching him on tape. Uh, I mean, you get him in a timing based offense and I think he's just going to eat. He reminds me so much of like Chad Johnson. Ocho. That's a good comp. As far as like you watched him run, you thought he'd probably run faster than four, four, five. Right. I know some people were surprised, <laughs> surprised by that time. Like that's a bad time. Yeah, It's a good time. <laughs> um, he is the silkiest, smoothest four, four, five I've ever seen. <laughs> he's got these feet of a ballerina, man. And he's so good at attacking blind spots working his hips to manipulate defenders and then immediately breaking back across wherever he's opened himself to. He's like completely disassociated from the upper half to his lower half with the way he can lie to defensive backs with what he does with his feet and his hips and where he points them versus where he's actually going to go. And with the foot quickness that's there involved in that and the start stop ability, he is awesome. So yeah, let's let's uh, he's sixth player on my board this year. Yeah. Special talent. There's there's no question about it. So you get outside that group. Yep. And now it kind of becomes a pick your flavor type approach. You know, you got some speed guys. Uh, you got some slot guys, you know, speed guys. I'd look at like Jalen Rager, KJ Hamler, slot guys, you know, Justin Jefferson, maybe if you wanted to put LaVisca Chenault in that bucket. Uh, you got Donovan Peoples Jones and Denzel Mims as kind of like big bodied explosive guys that can play outside. So where do you, where do you want to take this conversation? Cause there's a lot of good talent here. I have for context, 11 wide receivers in the top 50 in my board this year. It's, you, it's a great class. I think you, you kind of just blitz that tier, that range in my opinion, with a really good job of like, breaking them into tiers and how they can help an offense. And like, to me, in a lot of ways, you're going to split hairs when you talk about who you have ranked, because so much of it comes down to 
what what does a team need yeah what type of receiver makes sense for your offense and so this next group of the like the next six guys to me is a buffet of options and you you pick what you need and I think they all pre- present themselves as like really good number twos okay let me ask let's do this we like games here on the show right yeah we're gonna do a little word association Okay. You ready? Yeah. Ready? Justin Jefferson. Separation. Okay. That's my wide receiver four. He's top 20 player on my board. Same. Uh, He's number four on my board as well. I think yeah. he play inside and outside. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to A.J. Brown him. Last year, I loved A.J. Brown's tape, but I got pigeonholed into thinking, ah, he's, he can't play big on the slot. outside. Yeah, he's, he's a big, big, slot. big slot. And then when he when uh, D.K. Metcalf went down last year or two years ago at Ole Miss – he didn't particularly look good, you know, beating press coverage. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, he's going to be limited. I'm not going to make that same uh, judgment on, on Justin Jefferson and assume that he can't do it outside. I think he's better in the slot. Yeah. But I think he can play outside. And he helped himself with his athletic test. He used a little bit yes. more. Everybody thought he was going to run like 4-6. No. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he ran like 4-4-5. Four, four, he ran like the same time as – I think he ran faster than Judy. He I was think like- he ran 4-4-3. Four, four, he was 12 of 13 in contested situations last year, too. 12 of 13? Yeah, over 90%. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he ran he ran 4.43 with a 37.5-inch vert. Let's not call <laughs> Justin Jefferson non-explosive. No. No. My favorite play of his was the uh, back shoulder touchdown at the seam against Texas. You're absolutely right. Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, LaVisca Chenault. Versatile. Okay, he, I like he that. He can help one. you in so many different ways. Taking handoffs, quick game. He's got ball skills down the field, physical. I, I love him. Just the injuries are the only concern. Yeah, he's got that lingering groin issue that is something we're going to have to watch closely. And I don't know if he's going to get. He's probably not going to get a chance to improve his standing. He might be a guy who yeah. ends up dropping because you know I'm not going to. I'm going to red flag him as far as he's got like the notation next to his name, but I'm not going to change his player grade based off something I have no access to, which is medicals. Jalen Rager. Dog. Nasty, man. (laughs) Dude, his, when you get to marry like film with a press conference where you're at it and you get to kind of get that energy that this player brings, that dude brimmed with the most confidence I've seen in a presser in a a long, long time at the combine, man, just, I can do anything. Um, just, just so confident in his skill set. even though he didn't have a great year at TCU last year, because that quarterback situation was so bad. This dude believes he can do anything in the world. And I I love his confidence. Yeah. So take James Washington out of Oklahoma state and make him explosive. And that's Jalen Rager. Oh, and a million times better post catch, (laughs) right? Dude, he jumped 42 and, and 11, six stupid in the broad yeah it's like 97th percentile on both tests yeah like people were surprised he ran 447 again like that's a bad time (laughs) but i think he's i will say this i did used to think rager would give you something effective in the slot i think he's a true z at this point in the game yeah absolutely yeah playing him outside outside off the line of scrimmage so he's going to get a little extra space to release against press and run him vertical yeah. And run every if you run a vertical style offense, this is your guy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh Brandon Ayuk. Uh, yards after catch. 
Yak God. Yeah. He's uh, he's also explosive. I think he's a little bit. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that gets me real nervous about beating press coverage and some just needs a lot of work as a route runner, like for sure. But his big play ability, both vertically and creating after the catch, in addition to some return ability, like he brings a lot of value in meaningful ways. But he's not a polished prospect. I will say that. In my sure. Way. But with a little bit of understanding, this is yeah. a Juco guy. Yeah. Uh, and very explosive. He's got a nice wingspan, 33 and a half inch arms. So catch radius is pretty notable on him. Yep. Uh, think think slots where he'll feast at least early on. He has the ceiling to be more, but let's put him in the slot and give him a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Early. Mm-hmm. Uh, KJ Hamler. Explosive. Speed. Yeah. I mean, his, his acceleration is beautiful. I, I don't think he's a super good ball handler. Like I don't, I don't think his hands are great, but he's going to, he's going to be open and he's going to be able to create. My comp here is Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and if Ty- and Tyler Lockett, it was similar concerns. Like like coming out of Kansas State, like he had some really poor ball handling moments, and and so he's cleaned that up in a big way in, in the NFL. And so hopefully KJ can do the same thing. All right, so listen to these measurements for Lockett and tell me this is not KJ Hamler. Five ten, one eighty two, thirty mm-hmm. inch arms. Eight and three eighths inch hands, which is fourth percentile for wide receivers. So he was no better than the twelfth percentile in any of his size measurements. But he ran four four flat, uh, six eight nine in the three cone, four oh seven in the short shuttle, thirty five and a half in the vert. I guess probably pretty similar size athletic profile. I I would. Venture Handler probably runs faster than four four. We won't know because he had a yeah. hamstring issue. It seemed like it. Yeah. Five nine one seventy eight nine and three eighth inch hands. So in the fifty first percentile when it comes there to you the go. Hand. There you go. <laughs> Bigger mitts. It feels weird for me to have like th- there's somebody that's gonna inevitably listen to this podcast and be offended that I have Denzel Mims wide receiver nine. It's not offensive fo- to me. As my forty fourth overall player. What um so I I, I think very highly of Mims. Um, obviously, a height, weight, speed guy. That's pretty elusive for a bigger-bodied receiver. Has some really impressive ball skills and moments finishing through contact. Love is blocking. I know it's a weird thing to talk about with receivers, but he's going to make your entire offense better because he blocks. Um, I, you know, I just feel like it's the little things with Mims, but there's no limitations here. Right. And uh... – he, he's this year's poster child for winning the pre-draft process. I th- you know what? I'll be honest. Like I thought his tape was pretty good too. Like it, it was, I'm not saying I, I didn't mean to insinuate that he had yeah. bad tape, but it's like came to the senior bowl and he kicked ass there. And then he goes to the combine and he's 85th percentile or better in the 40, the vert, the broad and the three cone. Like what the hell? And this dude's six, three, two Oh seven. Yeah. It gave me the confidence. That's what it was. Like, you, you see the, the tape and you, you you take a lot of good with some bad and then you get this athletic profile and you're like, okay, that's worth believing in. And and for me, that's kind of where it pushes him up. I think I have him wide receiver five. I would not be surprised if he's picked where we're going to put the ceiling here. 21 to Philly. Yeah, I think 21 to Philly, 22 to the Vikings. I mean, yeah. And then he does not get past Green Bay. 
Like that's I have a whole, I have a, I mean, he is such a green Bay receiver right. because they, they love the speed and size component, but like he's actually able to move off of a straight line, <laughs> which aside of Devonte Adams, they got a bunch of guys like when they had Geronimo Allison and yeah. uh, Valdez Scantling and yeah. uh, who's the kid from Oklahoma state. That's there now. Oklahoma state. The big dude. Aitman. Yeah. Is he in Green Bay? Yeah. What? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Alan Lazard. Yeah, Iowa State. From Iowa State. And then they just went out and signed Devin Funches. Yeah, I have Funches. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like that guy that used to date the exact same girl in high school over and over and over and over again. They're all the really? same girl. I've never heard it that way. I've always heard it was the girl who dated the same guy over and over again. It goes back and forth. Does it? Yeah. Your social life in high school was a lot different than mine. That's one thing. I I know I have a type. Don't you have a type? Well, yeah. I mean, you're, I think you're a little bit more, we, we're not good. We're not doing this right now. Let's (laughs) just stay on schedule. Yeah. Geez, man, that would be a bad rabbit hole to go down, especially given the car rides and opportunities we've had to talk for 10, 10, 15 hours at a time, you know? We don't need to be getting some of that out here on the podcast, man. Donovan Peoples Jones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big explosive guy. I think he'll be a much better pro than and than college player. Uh, Shea Patterson limited him so much. Um, I think that if you're looking for that big bodied alpha guy, but also has some yak ability, he, I, I like his angles that he takes off the line of scrimmage to create some, uh, leverage and, and stack. I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's gonna be a good player. I wouldn't take him super high, but if you start to get to the middle to late second round, I, I'd be comfortable with him. Let's, let's spend a little extra time on him because he is a player that people need a little bit more selling on. Okay. So where do we, you had mentioned Shea Patterson really limited him. Yeah. And I agree. He did. Uh, the passing offense there and the separation that Peoples Jones actually got versus the production that he was able to get out of those opportunities was drastically different. Um, but I think where Peoples Jones shined the most for me was in the red zone, the high point scenarios, the ability to go up above the rim, elevate, get the ball at its highest point, um, and, and win in tight spaces. And then there were a lot of times where he had longer developing routes and the ball is a half a step under thrown and the defensive back gets back into his hip and breaks up the play. <laughs> so if you, if you just look at people's Jones's stat profile, you're going to be turned off. If you just looked at it at his athletic profile, you're probably going to be super turned on to the idea of him. Uh, the truth probably falls somewhere in the middle, but based on, I mean, think about what Juju Smith-Schuster was like at USC. I think that's the best example that I can think of. I'm not necessarily comparing him to say, this is the next Juju Smith-Schuster dude that's going to have 1,500 yards receiving, but a guy who had better athletic or or better functional athleticism than what we realized because a lot of times he was roped back into defenders with the throw and what that opportunity could look like at the next level. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good breakdown. I I um 
I like, I also like it's not in the red zone. It wasn't just like necessarily high pointing skills where that showed off a ton ball skills, ability to track it and get his body in good positions. Like, and I, I, and I kind of said this earlier, I, I do like the way that he, he attacks coverage and gets himself in position to stack and then get that leverage and get open. Like, I think he has enough, enough juice and suddenness to him to be able to uncover quickly in tight areas as well. All right, Joe, it's time to talk about your guy, T Higgins. <laughs> what is the wave of relief that is washed over your body to know that Buffalo's not in a position anymore to pick T Higgins at 22? Uh, I've said so much about T Higgins. My, my, my problem with T Higgins is just that what he does is really exciting ball skills, body control, high point ability down the field. All of that stuff is really good. And it would matter a lot for certain quarterbacks and they could take advantage of that skill set. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to run a, a complete route tree, that's going to create yards after the catch that is going to be able to consistently clear press coverage. He has a lot of restrictions in those areas. And when you have that many restrictions in key areas, I can't get behind you as a first round pick for a quarterback. That's not very accurate, especially down the field where, you know, I feel like, I feel like T Higgins is a player that is going to need the right quarterback to maximize what he's able to do. And when you, you kind of see what happened at his pro day with those testing numbers, and it really confirms, you know, just his, his first 10 first, his first 10 was terrible. I mean, like he was like two hundredths behind Tristan Wirfs in his 10 yard split. And it really speaks to that, that gradual release, his inability to get a ton of burst and quickness and, and get even and stack and, and create that leverage. Like it's going to be a battle for him. And when you have those types of limitations, it, it doesn't scream first round pick to me. And so whenever I looked at every friggin' mock draft that I opened in January, February, and, and it had Joe Bills Burrow one begins the Bills. I'm like, what, what can can we think about this and what type of receiver makes sense? And then of course Bills go down to the pro day and, and everything that you get worried about on tape shows up at a pro day and you're like, yeah, let's give up our first round pick for Stefan Diggs. Comes so, a lot easier decision. Yeah. Uh that said, I do think he has some redeeming qualities. Tons. He's a good player. Uh, but he is for me firmly in the I guess fourth tier. If we're going to make the first tier CD, Judy, and Ruggs, I would put Chenault, healthy Chenault, Jefferson, and probably Rager in the, the next tier down. And then I'd put Ayuk, Hamler, Mims, and Peoples-Jones in my, what's that, my fourth tier? Third tier? Yeah. Higgins is in the next tier down. I'm with you, so, except for I'd put Mim, Mims goes in that tier two for me. That's the only difference. Okay. Okay, so he would be in the Jefferson Chenault group mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're at, we're at least relatively on the same page for the tiers of guys. Now, the interesting thing here, and this is going to be a challenge because we're up against it for time. This wide receiver class is so deep. Yep. Uh, we haven't talked about Van Jefferson, Tyler Johnson, and Brian Edwards, who are my next three guys. Uh, does any of those guys speak to you as somebody that you would want to recognize here? And and these are all top 75 players for me. Well, I, it's funny because I have Brian Edwards and Van Jefferson in that tier, but I have two guys in that tier that you don't, that you are notably lower on. And I Okay, I, so this is Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman and? Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, you have Chase Claypool, wide receiver, like 27 right now. Yeah. So I think we'd like to hear your thoughts there. Wow, we're going to skip over all these guys and just go right to me 
slandering Chase well, Claypool in the podcast. To me, I have Chase in this tier, and so this is a big discrepancy. Okay, what did you see from Chase Claypool from a wide receiver perspective that gave you the idea that he was anywhere ready to play at the NFL level? I mean, size, hands, body control, ball skills. He's got can pretty he, good can, yak. Can he run routes? That's But here's the thing. He's can, he not get, a, can he get off press coverage? He's not a super nuanced route runner. He needs he needs work in those areas. But what, what I love with Notre Dame is they gave him chances down the field, and then they got him on those drags. And whether it was what, either one of those situations, he was able to find production. And I think those are two areas where you can get him the football and he can make big-time plays while you get the rest of the, of the skill set going. So maybe he okay, is a so. big slot, but that's not a bad thing. So you just presented two routes. He runs two routes. He doesn't run either one particularly well, and he doesn't get off press coverage right now. Right, but I'm putting him in, him in positions where neither one of those things are re, are absolutely required. So you want to play him as a, sl- a big slot, yes. and he's either going to be your check down receiver. You running the Mike Leach offense? Just going to run that shallow drag every play? I, I'm telling you right now, I'd probably have a shallow drag on every single play if I was an NFL <laughs> offensive coordinator. I would. Why wouldn't you? Why By would the way, you? Did, did you see Sean Payton last night getting on Twitter oh, drawing up plays? Dude, yeah. How cool is that? Time. Cost me a lot of time there. <laughs> but yes, I enjoyed that very much. Um, so I, I am not going to sit here and deny Chase Claypool's ceiling. And if he develops and if he hits, I am going to miss on Chase Claypool. But I just I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And I don't want to get honey potted by the height, weight, speed component. I almost thought coming in before the combine, I almost thought I would have liked to see him add a little bit of weight and be a a flex tight end. And then I'm much more attracted to his proposition for his long-term viabilities in NFL receiver. Give him the Darren Waller route. For sure. There's your course. There's your blueprint. And if and if they if he does that, then that's great. But he's he's not for me in this wide receiver class of like Van Jefferson is a, a really good like a bigger slot with polished route running skills and really good hands in traffic. Like I will take the concessions on the athleticism that I would be giving up for Chase Claypool to get some of these other guys. Like Brian Edwards is an outside guy. Yeah. I would rather have Brian Edwards and it's not particularly close to chase Claypool. Well, I have, I have those two guys ahead of him, but they're in the same tier. Okay. And then Michael Pittman. Yeah. What's up, Hater? Why don't you talk about Michael Pittman? I'm not going to sit here and slander these dudes for the last five minutes of the pod. (laughs) I like Michael Pittman, man. Hands, physicality gives you that catch radius alpha type receiver. Um, his ball skills down the field are very good. He doesn't catch, he doesn't drop anything. Uh, he really frustrated these Pac-12 corners, man. They were tugging on him and trying to try stay in phase, and they they had a hard time. Um, you get him on that nine route, I think he's going to be pretty dangerous. No, he's not going to be dynamic on the horizontal plane, but I think if you're if you want this size catch radius type player, that you know you can you can put with a, a quarterback that can make back shoulder throws and. Uh, you can challenge him to, you know, kind of create some some inside leverage and hit him on a seam route. Like, I can find a course for this guy being really productive in that type of way. And, you know, I think in the in the third round, if you're looking for that type of receiver, he's a really good answer. 
he um he is going to haunt those Utah defensive backs for the rest of their lives. <laughs> right. Because that game was nasty. Um, okay, I'll, I'll give a little bit of love to something of a sleeper, Gabe Davis of UCF. I only really got around to his tape in the last two weeks and really liked what I saw. He's raw as a route runner. Uh, he got a lot of free concessions at the line of scrimmage, but you watch Gabe Davis stack guys vertically and win down the field and his ball skills, and he's a little bit bigger than I, I guess I thought he was. Uh, he's got adequate deep speed, but he's pretty good with the hand fighting. Uh, I like him as a potential day three kind of vertical big body threat. He's got some possession components at the catch point and some really good ability to stack guys and ball skills tracking over his shoulders. So I did want to give him some love. Also want to give love to both of the Rhode Island kids. Uh, Isaiah Coulter, who was a junior who declared early from Rhode Island. Don't see that very often. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, he checked the boxes that you want to see a receiver from an FCS school do, which is you know really good stats, physically dominated the opposition. Uh, and he left with Aaron Parker, who had a really good week at the Shrine Bowl, had some bad athletic testing. Uh, I got a six on Parker, so I'm not going to sit here and you know, call him a top 100 pick or anything like that. I do have Isaiah Coulter at 113. Uh, so if you're looking for a small school sleeper that might be a little bit under the radar, Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island is in the same tier for me as the uh, Quintez Cephas, Lynn Bowden, Michael Pittman, Courtney Davis, You know, right outside the top 100. Okay, I guess I'll give some shout-outs to some day three guys that I like. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, John Hightower from Boise State. No, he's he's not going to be perfect in terms of you know natural hands and ball skills, but he's got legit play speed. And I think that he'll be able to separate and really challenge the defenses vertically at the next level. And he's got some really impressive finishes. It's some of the routine stuff that'll that'll frustrate the hell out of you. And I think he's got plenty of ability to create after the catch. He can get involved in the return game. And to me, that big play potential is something that intrigues me more than some of these bigger bodied guys that, you know, bully college corners, but don't have a whole lot of technique to what they do that will make them struggle in the NFL. Um, I like Joe Reed from Virginia. I can't get him out of my head. Um, he's super, he's not polished in any one area, but you know, you feel like people really gravitate towards like, Lynn Bowden in this year's class. I, I don't know. Joe Reed's a better athlete. And I think, you know, he's got five kick return touchdowns in his NFL career or his college career. He, he can take handoffs. And then, you know, he's, he's been able to win down the field, but also uh, on little quick hitting routes where he's get isolated against one guy and off coverage and cause them to come up and make a tackle. And he's six foot two twenty something. And he does a pretty good job of making that guy miss and extending plays and creating offense for himself. Um, Juwan Jennings, man, it's going to be tough Four seven receivers. He's from Tennessee are, are just not typically answers in the NFL, but his ability after the catch is just unbelievable. Like he just does not get tackled. He's super physical, got great contact balance and body control. And I, he's just a total dog, man. I, I, I get really hung up on his athletic profile, but you cannot deny some of the guys, some of the plays he made in the sec and made, made college corners look Look very, very silly. So, oh, and last guy, uh, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin. My guy. He's a good player, man. Uh, route running, it's all there. Hands are there. Um, he can bully guys. I like him a ton, and, and I think 
people got a little bit behind on him because of that allegation that got dismissed that cost him all of 2018, but he cleaned it up and, and, and played good ball this year. And I think if, you know, he's the guy that on day three, I kind of look at and say, he's going to be a better player than where he gets drafted. I think the amazing thing with, with Cephas was he, like you said, he missed all of 2018 with a sexual assault allegation that was dismissed. And then he comes back in 2019 and it's like, he didn't miss any time. Like from the get, he's running really nice routes. Um, and, and that ability to step back into a, a prominent role as the featured receiver for Wisconsin was really impressive to me. Uh, I knew it was, I knew exactly who you were talking about when you texted me and you said, I I'm in love with a four, seven <laughs> receiver. <laughs> he I ran much better this. in his pro day. He, they had one, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think he ran in the four fives. Yeah, it was different. But at the same time at the combine, he had a 38 and a half inch vert. Mm-hmm. And it was and, 10 yard was good too, right? I believe so. So like there's, there's enough redeeming qualities here with Cephas. And like, if some, if, if teams get the blinders because he ran four, seven, three, like by all means, let him come to my team yeah. and he'll be fine. Yeah. That's it. We're done. Wide receivers. Joe, this is probably the hardest one we were going to have to get done in a timely manner. Yeah. I had 32 guys done full assessments on so man it's and you could keep going there's guys i i'm not gonna have in my top 300 that i'm gonna feel bad not having in the top 300 but it's like you just gotta cut it off at some point you gotta stop (laughs) watching guys you have to and uh the numbers game and and that's you know if you're you're playing along with the uh the tdn mock draft simulator and go to the draftnetwork.com slash mock draft mock dash draft dash machine there you go uh, you'll often notice there's a bottleneck of wide receivers on day three. And I think you'll see that exact same thing because there's only so many teams that are going to pick so many wide receivers. And, you know, we heard Mel Kuyper reference possibly 30 in the top 100, which is like impossible. Yeah, it's nuts. But I've got 15 in the top 100. Yeah, I think that's I think, about what I'll have too. And th- they'll probably all go too. <laughs> and it's like every single one of them is deserving and there's guys that will be outside of that that would in a typical year be deserving of a top 100 pick. So good year for fantasy football players to dial yeah. in and make sure you're, you're up to speed on all these wide receivers. Cause there's going to be some undrafted gems that slip through the cracks and day three guys that slip through the cracks. I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to draft dudes. We'll be back tomorrow with all of your hot takes for takes on takes for the week. Come back. See us again.